Welcome everybody to the Kim Barra Show. I'm your host, Kim Barra, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Danny May from Lingmon. Now, if you've been hearing about AI and how it's gonna take over your job and it's gonna do all these crazy things in the future, you do not wanna miss this episode. We go into and look at what actually is AI, how is it affecting the marketplace, how is it gonna affect you in your business, and of course, touch on how did Danny, a plumber, go to become someone who now runs a language translation technology company in the space of not really that many amount of years. And also how did they then get to show that at a world summit, right? With leaders of the free world. Now, if you wanna check that out, this is the episode for you. And of course, if we can ever help you with your marketing, similar to how Danny grew his business with his marketing, head over to www.marketingmogul.com.au. But let's jump into the show. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, I always like to kick off the podcast with just one question, which is, Danny, if you and I were at a party and we're chatting to each other and we're having a few beers and I said, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? The go-to answer is, you know, what we do is, I, you know, I founded Lingmo and we provide real-time language translation solutions to enterprises to help them communicate with their customers. Love that. And so tell us a little bit more. So when you say communicate with their customers, that, like how are you guys doing the translation? Where is this happening? Is it just like an audio translation that when you're listening to something or fill us in a little bit more on the tech side of things? We have a few products. So I'll step back a little bit. So where the company started was we really, you know, we founded this six years ago and we were focusing on consumer products. And then we had, you know, a couple of big wins with translation earpieces and, and so on. We launched them at United Nations. And we had a lot of enterprise companies come to us and say, we love your translation. We love what you can do. Can you build it into our ecosystem? And it was becoming harder and harder to do. When I say harder, it was becoming time. If it wasn't time effective and cost effective for the enterprise. So we pivoted and really started focusing on the enterprise side. Still got our consumer products, but during COVID, no one's traveling anyway. So they kind of sort of dwindled down. And we have a range. So when we pivoted, we have a range of solutions now. So it is voice to voice. We do speech recognition, so transcription. We do text to text translation via live chat. We've got a new product that's out on Zoom now for Zoom chats. So we have, you know, we've got chatbots and we, we just try what we had our solutions do was enterprises, whether it's small, medium, large, to communicate with their customers because, you know, during COVID now, everyone's online, globalization, communication is the key for someone to buy products or, you know, to sustain that customer, you know, whether it might be an airline trying to talk them in, you know, giving them back a refund or credits. Communication is the key and not everyone speaks the same language. And so how do you see that affecting industries like, so for example, my partner runs a language school here in Perth where they teach Spanish, Italian and French, obviously, and they do some corporate work where they train them up as well. Do you see this as almost like, I don't want to say like the death of learning languages, but if people are going to be heavily relying on this, how are you seeing on the corporate side, people still, are they still wanting to learn part of that language or are they just going, don't have to now, like we've got the automation to take care of it? What we're seeing now is it's, you know, when, when we first founded this, especially moving into the enterprise side, it's, we're not trying to take jobs away from people. It's actually providing a solution, you know, for translators, interpreters, learning a language to enhance what they've got. So to, 
you're learning a language, okay, a lot of people might not be able to do it, you know, face-to-face, but you may do it, use some software in some parts and face-to-face in other parts. So it's giving them resources to be able to learn different ways and learn effectively. In the corporate sense, it's a little bit different because, you know, say for us, for example, you know, we're a global company and we're talking to, you know, people in Europe, you know, South America and, you know, even America, there's so many different dialects and different languages there. It's hard to really hone in on one language and learn it. You know, if we were just dealing, say, with China, then you'd, you'd learn Mandarin and, and go there because that's your only what you're doing. But in the corporate sense, the solutions that we're providing just gives them the ability to be, communicate with their customers and then you've got corporate key accounts where those people may learn a language depending on those key clients. But it's really enabling people to communicate freely and also enhance interpreters, translators, learn a language, that's industry, to enhance you know, how they go to market and stuff like that. It's not about taking jobs away. No, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Circling back to the beginning, what made you want to then start a translation what would now be you know a translation and tech company what was the kickoff point for you so what the kickoff was you know i started a couple of companies in early days you know photo sharing and all that mainly thinking about the money as you do you know instagram sold to facebook for a billion dollars i thought okay the iceberg affair i thought that guy looks he's like he's done it easy so i'm going to do that but how i found lingmo was i didn't come from the tech industry i was a plumber I still am on the license plumber. I pay for that every year. Just, you know, you got your fallback sort of thing. And I was contracted to go to China to find solar hot water products and manufacture them and get them back to Australia, get them certified and install them, et cetera. You know, just four hours after landing in China from my first trip, my passport was stolen. And I went up to a police officer. I was in Shanghai. And I downloaded a Now competitor's app and just tried something nice and simple. I just wanted to break the ice with this dude. And I just said, hello, how are you, into the translator. It actually come out in Mandarin and said, hello, I love you. And he he wasn't impressed, eh? Like, he had his hand in his gun. Just picture this guy. My colleague I was with was about 150 kilos at the time. He was running down the street. And you know how someone's running so fast with a suitcase, it looks like they've got a kite behind him? That's how fast he was running. I go, you know, I'm, I'm in trouble here. So... What actually happened was the police seen the the funny side of it. Long story short, I got to where I was going and and he helped me. But I come back and just really thought, how many other people in that situation, sorry, how many other people we've been put in that situation and get lost? Because, you know, everyone's, you know, can't communicate somewhere, whether it's, you know, Chinatown just to get, you know, some Chinese or while they're overseas and you literally feel lost. So come back and it was a big company. Don't get me wrong, the companies up that I use. So just come back and really did six months of market research just to find out why that was so wrong. And I think it took someone outside the industry to really, you know, think outside the box to find out. And the company, don't get me wrong, their translation was 100% accurate. What wasn't accurate was the speech recognition, which is the start of it. So then the rest of it snowballed and that's how you got bad translation. So yeah, just come back and really thought about that and, you know, come and had a build a product and enhanced it to where we are now. Well, I don't want to skip over that because it's like everyone, if you're listening, they're going to be like, cool, you're a plumber. You head over to China. Then you come back, you're like, yeah, we just build a product and roll it out and now it's killing it. Like what were some of the steps in there? Because obviously, as you mentioned, coming back as a plumber, you identified there was opportunity there. What happened next for you? Because I'm 
going to make the assumption that you weren't able just to jump on the computer, knock up a program that could then be have better speech recognition than this competitor's at. Yeah, no, definitely couldn't. I tried that and my attention span was so short and I'm, I just got frustrated. So I thought, no, I'm not doing that. So I guess I did make it sound a lot easier than what it was, you know, the iceberg effect. <laughs> but, and it did was, you know, come back, did the market research, went and seen some angel investors, you know, about 40 of them. They all said no for two reasons. One, going up against the big companies. Two, you're a plumber no tech background. So what we did was we actually sold our house and put the money into creating an MVP. I was, because of the projects I was working with before, I had some of the developers that I was working with out of Pakistan. So I contacted these guys and we started working through, can we do this? What can we do? And they said, yeah, let's give it a go. And that was what, seven years ago. They've been with me ever since. So I self-taught myself everything I needed to know within this industry. So it's artificial intelligence and stuff, but within speech recognition and translation, because when you say self-taught myself in AI, there's so many different things. And I just really honed in on what I needed to know. But basically what I needed to know, so with the developers, I could challenge a status quo with them. You know, like if I say, I need, we need to do X, Y, and Z, they go, we can do X, Y, and I'll go, well, why can't we do Z? You know, you do it this way and it may take a little bit longer, cost a little bit more money, but let's do it that way. And I think outside the box, they go, yeah, let's give it a go. And next thing you know, it works. So it's, that's where I guess with the plumbing really helped me to what I'm doing now in tech is because when you walk into a bathroom, you know, at a client's house, you've got to, they say, I want to toilet there, shower there, hand basin there, just timber. You've got to picture everything, how it's finished. So you know where to run their pipes at the start then you're the last person to come in. So you've got to know where your pipes were so you don't drill into them and how you've got to visualize how it looks. Same with the tech. I visualize how it looks and how it has to feel. I speak with our, our team and they go, yeah, we can do X, Y, and Z, as I said. And then we go, okay, no worries. And then something happens and we work together. And I just, from the non-tech background, I kind of come to it as a usability side of it, as well as, uh, you know, functionality and stuff. And so from there, you've, like, you sold your house, you build the MVP, and then obviously to the point where you just mentioned like, yeah, we you know, launched something at the UN, which is pretty, pretty epic. What were some of the, the big high points along the way? And what were some of the real challenging points that you hit in that process? The challenging ones were at the start. So once I built the MVP, you know, we sold the house and stuff, you've got to know your limitations. And my limitation was commercializing the product. So I, um, I brought a partner on and, you know, he's helped me take this company to where we are now. And then we obviously, with his connection, we brought another partner on, which helped with angel investment and investment into the company. But there was bringing them on to add value to the areas that I lacked. You know, there was, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I guess you, there's no regrets, they're all lessons. And probably the up was, you know, the going to United Nations and I do keynotes and, you know, do a lot of keynotes around the world. So there are a lot of the ups promoting, I love promoting the products and promoting the company. And then I guess, you know, another up is, you know, we had, you know, on the Central Coast, we had the Central Coast Mariners here and there was a couple of Spanish guys that brought their family over, but they couldn't speak any English and to the point where their wives didn't want to go out of the house because they were worried about communicating. So we gave them some of our hardware devices and they, you know, had shed a tear and all that type of stuff because they could communicate. So, you know, that's, that's why we really built what we've done is to enable people to communicate. So we really focus on the product not the money at the start and, you know, the money will come at the end. I guess a lot of the, the, so the low points is, you know, there's a lot of struggles in it, you know, pivoting, you know, we've got to, we had to do a couple of pivots. So from consumer to, to enterprise and, you know, we had a lot of big companies come to us. So it wasn't really typical startup sense where you start, you know, with a small medium, they kind of come to us because of what we did at UN and that and took us to another level. But 
once you put all the work into those and then next thing you know they go oh, with you know with big organizations as as you would know they they lose focus pretty easy when i say that they say yes i want this now but then okay well it's going to take us three months to build it three months down the track they go yeah we don't need any more we've pivoted to a different way or they've had a reorganization the person you're speaking to is not there anymore so that's the, the a lot of those challenges and, and low points were, were were from that and what about getting into the UN? Because just got get into the UN and that was pretty good. It's like, what was the process to be able to get that and launch that there? Because I think for a lot of people, when they hear things like that, they're like, like that's an, an impressive. You can get it in front of an audience like that to share, as you mentioned, and the big enterprises like, well, hey, these guys are here. They must be good. What was the process like to get in the door there? Well, quite lucky with that because he's one of our advisors at the start. He'd done a lot of work with the UN. So it's kind of... In a sense, it's not watching up to, you know, in some of these areas. And again, that's one of the lessons that I've learned is we could know everything. And if you don't know the right people, you're not going to go, you know, I guess it's the same as a Silicon Valley mentality. You know, if if we're in Silicon Valley right now, we'd probably be worth a billion dollars because you're in the valley. It's not, it's, it's all that type of side of it. So, so his name's Neil and he introduced us. He does a lot of keynotes. He was one of the founding members of the AI for Good Summit, which is part of the UN initiative. And what that does is it just, it brings the focus point of artificial intelligence, giving back the good in the world. And obviously language communication is, is one of them. So that's how we got in, into the UN. And from that, I've done a couple of keynotes in Korea and stuff on panels for the, for the UN, the ITU division, so it's the, into the telecommunications side of it. And I guess being in the right time, right place at the right time and a lot of things you know I, I get frustrated when i hear people say that when they've grown their business but it kind of there is certain aspects where that is and and again it's not watching now it's who you know so with that that's how i got a lot of the keynotes with that because he was one of the founding members of that itu division that's awesome i think that's important for everyone to remember because obviously yes you can have an amazing product but if you can't get the product out there it's not, it doesn't matter how amazing it is if no one knows about it, right? You've got to get out there and, and market yourself and, and talk about it and promote. With us, our, our big focus is obviously we do online advertising and so many people come to us like, I've got this awesome thing and I see it. I'm like, it is cool, but I was like, what, how come I don't know about it? Like, this should be, you should be getting this out there. And that's the only way to, the way to do it is to get it out there. Otherwise, you'll be the best kept secret that no one ever knows about. Yeah, when we sort of, how we got the popularity was when we launched that earpiece at United Nations and because we did it in collaboration with IBM. And it was quite funny because we got the, you know, the IBM logo and stuff on there. And I think we're either one of the first or the first in the world to get the IBM logo on a hardware device. The simple reason is I asked a question. I just go in and ask a question and I'm thinking, well, what's the worst I'm going to say is no. And they've actually gone, well, we've never been asked that question. We don't know. And it took about two months because they've never been asked. They didn't know who to get permission off. So because we did that, we did a press release. And it was quite funny because... The first initial press release, the heading went out of Australian startup takes on big players in earpiece market and it wasn't getting any traction. So then they come back and said, we want to change it to Australian plumber invent smart translation earpiece. And he went gangbusters. It literally went viral. I was in 37 of the top 40 online magazines around the world. And that's where the, the popularity. So that's how we got to that stage. And it was, we were just ahead of the curve with that you know then google come out with google pixel i remember doing an interview and they said oh google pixel come out the other day and they mentioned you in their article that they're competing against you are you scared and i said no i said i've got to thank google because our sales just went through the roof because they, got, they compared themselves directly to us so it was you know you got to take and then the big players everyone gets scared of taking on the big players but that's the entrepreneurship side of it and that's the struggles you've got to overcome 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's so important. Like number one, they're take, like just asking because most people, the reason why they don't get what they want is because they never ask for it. I remember my my partner is, is really big on this. Like if we go to a hotel and just like the hotel room, for me, I'm like the hotel room that they give me is a hotel room. Yeah. For her, she's like, hang on, where you know we were in um, in New York. She's like, we're in front of Central Park. We can't see Central Park. Why can't they put us on a higher floor? And I'm like, well, this is our room. No, she's like. When you call them and ask them if they have any rooms, I call them and then they're like, yeah, we can put you up on a higher floor. I'm like, oh, like I, I literally would never ask, but you never know unless you ask for it, right? Yeah, it's funny because I did a keynote for Think at for IBM's Think in Vegas and they had people up on the billboard above. I don't know if you've been to Vegas and they've got bubblegum shrimp, you know, that big billboard up there. They had people from IBM up there and I'm like, oh, what's the hell? I might as well ask if I can get up there. I just went and asked. I said, because I was doing a keynote, I said, yeah, no worries. You've got to get a hair and makeup uh, tomorrow. And I've gone, what? Hair and makeup? That, that was a total separate thing for me. So I got the pictures done and then I was up on the billboard for seven days. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's just amazing. And as you say, most people, it's like, because literally the worst they can say is no. And there's, yeah. no, there's no harm. And it's like, but if you never ask, you're never going to yeah. be on the billboard above 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 come true. Uh, but above come true, yeah. No, I just, you just go with the mentality and you go, okay, well, they're going to say no. You think, okay, no, no. And then you say yes, you go, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And you're shocked. So, if, I guess if any, any people get cranky with me because I ask a lot of questions and that's the only way that I learn. But I do ask questions if, you know, for these, these type of things. And yeah, it's, it's, sometimes it pays off. Most of the times it doesn't. And that's where you got to, you know, I've gave a few examples of where it did. But, you know, for those three examples, it's probably 40 that have said no. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, right, you went to all the angel investors at the beginning and they all said no. And, you know, there's so many stories fraught with that where it's like, you just got to keep asking. And I think it was... I don't know if it was, if I'm right in saying this, if it was one of the, I think it was like KFC and Colonel Sanders, something like that. He went to so many people, all said no, and then he found, managed to find the very last one or 59th person he spoke to said yes and helped him start it up. And, you know, now it's a powerhouse. But I think Google was the same. Google was the same. Yeah. It's for all of them because it's like, well, it's, you know, everyone gives up, but it's only the entrepreneurial spirit, as you said, it's like that pushes through so that people can can keep going and, you know, then eventually someone will say yes or someone will help you line it up so it becomes different, not be exactly what you asked for, but, you know, as you say, then you found another partner who then got you into a, an investor and it's, it's, it always will play, play out somehow. Yeah, yeah, compromise. I guess you've got to go in there thinking if you think, if you're, headstrong and you're stuck in your way you ain't going to go anywhere you know that's that's the ego they say ego is the success inhibitor because if you've got ego and you're not willing to change or learn then there's no point in being in a startup or an entrepreneur so true and so obviously being that you're you have so much exposure to the ai space and you've you've mentioned how it's affected business during the uh, these period recently and whatnot as well what are you seeing or projecting over the next couple of years? Because I know some people, as soon as AI started coming out, they're talking about, oh, yeah, like all this stuff is going to take over and it's going to, all these jobs are going to be lost and blah, 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 which, you know, in, in some cases, not that they, they will be lost. Certain tasks and aspects will be replaced because obviously we have to automate and scale and grow and improve, you know, what everyone does. But is, is there anything that you're seeing or, or predicting to see come out in the next couple of years that thinking and looking at like small, medium businesses, even in your space with translation and speech recognition, is there anything that you're seeing that kind of really excites you that you think is going to have a really good positive effect coming up? In relation to AI, you know, I think you meant, you just touched on it then and, and I mentioned it before. AI, you know, I think the people that are scared are the ones that sort of spreading a lot of stuff of it's taking over my job I think you hit the nail on the head it's automating a lot of things which it's it's there to help and assist people not take their jobs away from them albeit some people you know some jobs may be taken but 
that's where people, you know, skill up. So there's that. I only watched it the other day or watched part of it. There was a movie from IBM when the first man went to the moon and they brought the big IBM supercomputer in and they had all the, the ladies doing the calculations and stuff. So they were scared then when IBM brought that computer and it was going to take their jobs. But what they did was they reskilled so they could, they realized that they had to feed information to the computer. Same thing with AI, you know, it's the initial scare side of it. What really excites me moving forward is the, you know, 5G. So we're doing work with Telefonica, Intel and Emilia Hotels in Spain for the 5G on the edge. So that, what's, that kind of stuff really excites me because we're working on software where you just pick up the phone, voice over IP, and you just, you're speaking, but you're speaking to someone in a different language and you have literally no idea that they're speaking a different language. What limits us now is the latency and the time because where we've got it is, is sort of like an old school international phone call. But with the 5G on the edge, the latency issues that will far increase the speed and make it more real time. So for, for us in our industry, that's what kind of excites us. But I think in a lot of industries, the 5G and, and the network capability is just going to improve things. You know, look, you've got, you know, your Teslas that are auto drive, you know, self-drive and, and all that type of stuff. So again, it's, it's just those things moving forward, becoming at a more rapid space is I think where I see it going. And it's kind of is exciting because again, it's exciting for people in the, in the space and scary for people that aren't. But, you know, for your listeners and stuff, it, it shouldn't be, if you're not in the space, it's nothing to be scared of. You're just going to sit there and think, okay, what in my industry can be automated? And pretty much what can be automated is, is where the AI is going to help in. You're still going to have to have a human touch at some point. Computers can't just run around and, and rural the world. They're going to have some human input for, for daily tasks. And I think that's all a, a big key point is. And that's so important. And I know, so we, we do a, a bit of stuff with messenger chatbots on Facebook and, and Instagram and everyone, when they were looking at it, I was like, cool. Like the word bot is well, especially in that space, sometimes gets a little bit, people freak out because of people using them negatively in other areas. But I was like, it's just a little bit of automation. All it is is automating this task. So as you mentioned, there's still going to be a point where they want to speak to a human, you know, and, and same even with AI, it's like AI can't work out a strategy. It can tactically do something. It can calculate something. It can automatically respond to something, but it's not going to work out the big picture strategy that you've got to, as you say, plug in into the AI so that it can do what it needs to do. Yeah, and I think the the good one there, because we do stuff, with, when I say we do stuff with chatbots, people have chatbots, they train it, we add the language in front of it, so they train in one language and we have their chatbot communicate in 80 languages, so that's where we add value to that. And again, you've got the live chat side, but also on, on the back end of the chatbot, everyone, you know, it is, it's taking the small menial tasks off people so they can work on the more complex ones that, you know, it, uh, retail, say Meyer or somewhere like that, and they're asking do you have a shoe color in red? The bot can go, yes, we have a red, where that would take up someone's time to say, yes, we have a red, where they can go, oh, I want a refund, and that's where the person can come in. But also to add to that is those chatbots need to be trained. They don't just come out of the box ready to go. You've got to continually train them. So if, yes, they say for Myra, for example, they have a red shoe today. Tomorrow they may not have a red shoe, it may be blue, and they've got to train it to learn the questions for blue shoes. So there's always human interaction at some point. Yeah, I think that's so important for people to understand. It's like, yeah, you, it's, uh, they're not going to, computers aren't taking over, guys. It's just that uh, hopefully making things a lot easier for everyone. And uh, now, as we get towards the end of our time together, I always like to ask this question to every guest that we have on, which is Is there any question that I didn't ask you that I should have? 
No, not really. You know, I do a lot of podcasts and I think we've pretty much covered most of the questions. I guess, you know, for the entrepreneurial side, you know, we've gone through how how did it and stuff. So I guess probably maybe one of the questions would be, and I'll kind of answer it now, is especially for someone like myself that come from a different industry to tech, you know, I'll get asked a lot of questions, especially around how you find angel investors or investment into it or what you should be giving people. Do you know what I mean? Around that mindset. And I get a lot of questions asked, you know, from younger sort of, you know, when I say younger, it makes me feel old, but younger, you know, entrepreneurs starting out is, and the advice is, you know, how much equity or something should they give away in a project? And it's obviously what you're comfortable in giving away is one, but two, like me in the early days, you can't do everything. You need to, and nine times out of 10, when you're starting a company, you cannot afford to pay someone to bring on to add the value. So you've got to, yes, you know, you might have put, 50, 100K into it and you go, well, this is my baby. I want to give you 2% because I put 100K and you're doing nothing. You don't look at it like that. You look at it, what value are they going to add? Because if you have a good example of this is, you know, Eric, the founder of Zoom, he owns like, I think it's 22 or 25% of Zoom because he's brought people in, you know, investors and stuff like them where they put the money in, but they add the value as well. So to have 25% of something that's worth $100 billion now, to 100% or something that's worth 100K, you know, you've got to sort of weigh it up and just, you know, be realistic in a lot of things. And, and then that's where the compromise comes in. That's so important that you mentioned there. It's like that if you can have 100% of something worth 100K or you can have a smaller piece of something so much bigger. And if you do find the right people that add that value, it's so important, I think. And, and now, Danny, for anyone that's been listening and they said, cool, I want to find out a bit more about what you're up to, everything that's going on in the translation world and whatnot, where's the best place for people to, to connect online and to, to find out more about what you guys are up to? The best way to find out about our products and what we're doing is go onto our website, mingmointernational.com. If they've got any questions or want to follow me and stuff, the best place is LinkedIn. That's where I do a lot of my, my stuff on there. And that way, you can, you know, if you've got questions about entrepreneurship, you can just, you know, friend me and, and send me a message and have conversations to help out but yeah if you general information about your products you know it's it's lingmointernational.com but we don't just cater for large companies we do you know corner shops you know small medium businesses that have an issue whether it's voice text or whatever it may be translation we've got a solution that can that can fit your needs amazing so guys wherever you are you'll be able to click around and see in the show notes or click through to the website and we'll have all the links there links to um, Danny's uh, LinkedIn profile as well and if you like this episode please make sure that you subscribe so that you can hear these episodes when they drop before anyone else and Danny thank you so much again for joining us today really appreciate it no worries thanks for having me cheers (laughs) 